Welcome back again to English Link. Mark Hello here there. with Steve. Uh, having just read that spiel, it reminds me of the conference we were at last week where uh, people weren't quite sure how to pronounce Link. And uh, when I explained that, in fact, it was Link and not Link you, someone expressed uh, disappointment. They thought Link you was a better name because it links you, I guess. Right. Uh, anyway, that was kind of interesting. By the way, when, since you're talking about that conference, which mm-hmm. I, and I was very impressed. It was a conference here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. People who have developed either wireless or other, you know, applications to be used with wireless, um, you know, devices, mm-hmm. um, gave presentations, and they were all limited to three minutes. And just about everyone stayed within the three minutes. Mm-hmm. This is in contrast to a conference that I attended uh, called, because I now am a director of the Canadian Council for the Americas, Vancouver branch. Mm-hmm. And so there was a big conference about Canada and Latin America and they had ambassadors there, both ambassadors from those countries to Canada and Canadian some Canadian ambassadors who were on their way out there. Mm-hmm. Let me say that they had a lot of trouble <laughs> staying within their allotted time. Which was probably longer than three minutes. Which was much longer than three minutes. And so the first four group of the first group of four or five ambassadors got to hog a lot of the time because the one thing that was fixed was we had to get out of the room so that they could set the you know, the tables for dinner. Right. So the first group just yapped on and on and off to hear themselves talk, you know, all kinds of high flowing high flying statements. Mm-hmm. And then the next four countries, which were then Colombia and whatever, they had to speak. They had to they had to stick to their time limit. Right. But the first group, in love with what they had to say, yeah. were able to just waffle on. Well, they did a great <laughs> uh, um, way of doing it. I thought at that conference we were at, where they all of a sudden, if people were going too long, there'd be some kind of a goofy. Uh, audio clip of you know someone answering the phone or some uh, voice saying something goofy <laughs> and all of a sudden that's your cue it's over see and and most people wrapped it up pretty quickly after that there was the one there was one guy maybe you you, you missed that guy yeah. but he kind of kept droning on and looked annoyed I'm like actually everybody else here is annoyed you have no right to be annoyed people aren't that interested in what you're saying Fit your three, it in your three minutes well, and sit down. And everybody's got, got the a, same... Uh, a great long list of people who want to speak. <laughs> exactly. It's not a matter of even... I think some of those ambassadors uh, were interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. But but maybe the other group also had some things that, that were of interest, you know. But, uh, you know, I think it's a good idea to have it automatically timed like that because mm-hmm. otherwise the, the master of ceremonies is always, you know, reluctant to interrupt uh, His Excellency, you know, who's droning on about Exactly. Something. And it's much more difficult to say, oh, excuse me, excuse me, your yes. time's up, rather and then all of a sudden, in, over the PA comes some goofy sound clip. I know. <laughs> anyway, you know, I was thinking, Mark, th- these uh, podcasts of ours, we really are sort of cr- contrarians. <laughs> that, We're always uh, <laughs> kind of poo-pooing, as we say. That's true. Some of the sort of conventional wisdoms. And along that line, and I know you've got some things you want to talk about, but I just wanted to mention, I was reading the paper this morning, that the seasonal flu that every year we get here right. during flu season mm-hmm. is much more contagious, apparently, than the so-called swine flu. Right. And there's nothing special about swine flu because we have been getting flu from swines and other animals for a long, long time. Right. So this whole, from what I gather, if this is correct, and certainly in terms of the number of people who die every year from flu, it's a large number. Right. And the swine flu hasn't 
well, no come anywhere from well, it in Canada. Anyway. Not in Canada. So, so I mean, it's just another example of how things are just hyped out of all proportion. Mm-hmm. And in the end, as they pointed out in the newspaper, if as a result of this, you know, economic activity in Mexico comes to a grinding halt, uh, tourism is killed off, people don't go there, that's going to cost them a lot of money. And so people are going to suffer economically, and typically the people who suffer the most are the poor people. And if they suffer economically, their health will suffer. So probably the fallout from the swine flu mm-hmm. will end up having worse health effects and probably you know, leading to the premature death of more people than, than the swine flu itself. That's probably, that's probably true. I think uh, with regard to the, whatever you want to call it, normal flu or the mm-hmm. uh, seasonal flu, seasonal flu uh, the people most affected by the seasonal flu are the elderly, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe young children. I don't know that for a fact, but I know that it's the elderly, and that's why they always encourage the elderly to get flu shots mm-hmm. uh, in flu season. Whereas I think part partly what what's got people's fears aroused in Mexico is that it's it's uh, not the elderly at all. It's uh, it's relatively young. Mm-hmm. Adults, twenty to forty or something, is right. the age group that seems to be most affected. Right. So maybe that's partly uh, partly the reason. It's obviously out of the norm for 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 the seasonal flu, anyway. And the problem, to be fair, too, is that if people think that there is a chance that something like a pandemic is about to happen, it's always best to be you know to err on the side of caution. Absolutely, and yeah. and the fact that Mexico did, uh, or Mexico City seemed sounds like it came to a grinding halt there for I don't know if it's still like mm-hmm. that, but um, it could have uh, reduced the spread. I, I really yeah. not being an expert on yeah, the don't spread of disease. Ga- you go by what you read and hear. <laughs> I gather a uh, a busload of Canadian students arrived in Beijing and were promptly put into quarantine. Not, and not in Beijing. It was somewhere in northern China. In China. And, of course, being in China, you know, access, like the embassy is only allowed to see them for 10 minutes, you know. You can just see <laughs> it. It's like yeah, major it, kerfuffle. The embassy is only allowed to meet with them for 10 minutes. And they must take their temperature three times a day right. and record it every right, day. Right. On the other hand, <laughs> for a week, like an, anyway, it just sell some. On the other hand, when there was a massive sort of tidal wave of poisonous chemicals moving towards some town in North China, nobody announced it because nobody really wanted to be, you know, on the hook for. Right. Like, hopefully, it might stop. <laughs> Great place. Anyway, yeah. anyway, no, they're going after these Canadians, so that's good. That's good. You know, they won't infect anyone. Yeah. Anyway, another uh, topic that's been in the news a lot in Canada recently uh, is this uh, banning of the seal hunt, mm-hmm. uh, which probably doesn't rate in most other countries as a news item. Uh, although I guess there there are a lot of places where where uh, the anti seal hunt. Uh, Propaganda machine has has got their message out. Uh, obviously, I, I, I must be honest. I, I don't recall. I can't recall the last time I, I saw seal product, a product made from seals, seal skin. Right. See, I mean, I guess they used to use seal skins uh, for cross country skiing to to climb up hillsides. But I, I, I think one of the major products those are, are, are synthetic now. Yeah, they. I think you have these uh, cute mascots uh, that are sold in Canadian souvenir stores that are made in China. <laughs> <laughs> they might be made of seal skin. Um, but it's it a fur. Be. It's a fur. I it's, guess there are people who wear. Right. Uh, maybe it's a lining for something. I don't know. Hmm. 
apparently a third of their market is in Europe. So mm-hmm. obviously there are Europeans that buy this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but then I guess uh, I, I mean uh, personally, you know, whether they hunt seals or not, it, it doesn't really. It's not on my radar. I don't. It doesn't bother me either way. But it does bother me when a government body does right. not allow you. You know, you are not allowed to buy seal skin. Right. Well, I why? Mean, why not? Why? Right. What's wrong with seal skin? Well, I mean, I, I, what the argument is that it looks very cruel Shoot, because you right. have these cute little seal pups going, oink, 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 oink. <laughs> and then some mean old guy comes up and just whacks them over the head, right? And takes their their pelt and doesn't use the the you know the meat for anything. And so, if a person wants to make the personal decision not to buy a seal skin product, then uh, I can perfectly understand that. Absolutely. And uh, I I would recommend that anyone who eats chicken never ever go to a chicken farm or a place where they uh, pluck and slaughter and then prepare chickens for our table because well, that looks pretty was, revolting uh, too. That's what I was going to say. I mean, yeah. what, what about all the cows that uh, all the cattle that are slaughtered and I mean that live in cramped conditions and uh, you know not necessarily uh, pleasant conditions. Right. All the all the. the, the, the poultry and and mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty, uh, it's horrible, pretty horrible and so what's worse that mm-hmm. or the way the seals are clubbed i mean well, who's to say well exactly and the other thing is that um on the positive side although they do have a, an image problem mm-hmm. they do have an image problem but uh the on the positive side apparently the seal population has been expanding and we see it here on the west coast they mm-hmm. have no predators they're just more and more seals mm-hmm. and the seals eat a lot of fish that's what they do right they eat fish mm-hmm. and so i don't again i'm not a fisheries expert but apparently the argument is that uh, controlling the seals is good for our cod stocks right now should humans be intervening in these things i mean we do inevitably anyway mm-hmm. so and humans are part of the part of the you know the predatory cycle right so part of the food chain so i don't know i don't know either but uh the uh i guess it's 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 a bit like uh for a long time the forest industry was the poster child for all the green pieces Mm -hmm. and save tree hug a tree and all this Mm -hmm. and to to and and the seal hunt business that's a similar similar uh, poster child and you know the Paul McCartney and and his right. wife were out there uh, parading around in, in in zodiacs, and so all, which gives obviously this uh, big uh, PR boost to the whole uh, seal hunt thing. Otherwise, people wouldn't even know about it. Right. It just happens in the in northern uh, in Newfoundland, and you know, I mean, I mean, it, well, that's right. Uh, to me, of all the sort of injustices that takes place that take place on this planet, it doesn't rank very high. <laughs> On the other hand, and, and the fur industry in general, you know, is regularly uh, sort of attacked. Harassed. And, and, I, I, and most of the people involved in the fur industry in Canada are quite poor. They live up north. Many of them are natives. They have trap lines. This is their means of livelihood. Mm-hmm. It's a way of life. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's their culture. And I am quite convinced that furs are just about the most environmentally benign clothing material that there is because most cotton is grown in massive monoculture uh, plantations uh, uh, lots of fertilizer I'm sure with lots of fertilizer flowing into the water system and and pesticides and not to mention the uh, synthetic fibers which are part of a non-renewable industry which is the petroleum industry 
So um, furs, uh, as long as it's handled in a sustainable way, I, I think it's great. What I do like about the fur protesters is that you sometimes get very attractive women <laughs> uh, parading around naked <laughs> right. uh, to protest, you know, and they're welcome to come and do that uh, outside my office here. <laughs> I think that's great. Certainly as a very effective uh method well yeah they can also carry posters promoting link uh, while they're doing it you know <laughs> yeah i mean i know that whole uh teta but i don't know what it stands for but the anti-fur uh mm-hmm. lobby i don't understand it why i mean people have been wearing furs forever as you say it's completely renewable yes it's it's you know <laughs> it's no different than how the food appears on your table right. something had to die for the food to appear on your table right something had to die for your fur coat but why that's a, a crime and has to be uh, so vehemently protested against, I, I must say, I don't understand, especially well, as you point out, because uh, it's probably environmentally more friendly than just about right. any, any other type of clothing. Right. Now, I have nothing against a person who finds it cruel and doesn't want to use seals mm-hmm. or, or fur or anything else. Right. People make their own decisions. But for the government to ban it, I think, is just silly. And uh, But speaking of furs, I'm reminded of the story, you know, when... Uh, when you were playing hockey, and you've heard the story, but I think it might be fun for uh, for some of our listeners. Uh, you were playing hockey for Yale, mm-hmm. and of course Yale is uh, they have a team in this Ivy League, which is a sort of elite uh, American uh, university league. Right. And so your mother and I came down to watch you play, and we were playing at this one college, and of course we're surrounded by all these Ivy League students, and of course your mother had on a fur coat, so. Uh, the student sitting beside your mother made some comment about the fur coat and so and of course as you know your mom doesn't take this uh, you know uh, lying down so to speak and she said oh yeah do you eat meat (laughs) and so the American student said no and she said you lie of course you eat meat that's why you're so fat (laughs) and that's why all Americans are fat she said at this point that was unfair but yeah it's unfair at this point, I withdrew. I ran up a few <laughs> steps. I didn't want to be there for this. But yeah. the point is this, that, uh, yeah, the way we deal, and maybe we should be, uh, I don't know, more humane, but where do you draw the line? I mean, uh, I, the whole I humane thing, I think, is, is just silly. People are animals, just yes. like, and we prey on smaller animals. Uh, we're fortunate that we don't have to worry about being preyed upon by right. uh, most of the time by other animals, but we're part of the food chain, and that's the way it's always been, and the way it always will be. And and right. carrying I guess again, on about it, I just don't. As you say, your, your personal uh, preferences are <laughs> that's fine. You do what you like, but don't try and tell me or others how to right. behave. But you know, and and this is the point uh, too that I guess some people criticize the fact that they kill the seals and don't eat the meat. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, you know, it reminds me, too, I was reading somewhere that there was a, someone was saying that their 11-year-old daughter is a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty bad. Well, that's pretty bad. Because an 11-year-old has been totally influenced mm-hmm. by her teacher, by someone else. Right. And I don't think being a vegetarian is that healthy for you no. when you're young. Because we need the protein and we need other uh, things that come from, from the, the meat. Now, an adult can make his or her own decisions and may supplement uh, Mm -hmm. whatever. But for an 11-year-old to be a vegetarian, I think that's pretty bad. Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously, if the parents are of uh, that persuasion, they're they're not. No, no, no. They're quite concerned. She picked it up at school, so maybe she, you know, 
because there's all, all kinds of now subliminal messaging and all the right. games that they get about planting trees and being a vegetarian and she didn't want to kill an animal and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, we kill animals. Exactly. For a hundred for for millions of years humans and their predecessors have been killing animals. And there's still lots of animals around. <laughs> I know. Anyway, we shouldn't get we always get back to environmentalism. What else have you got on the agenda? Uh the only other thing that's oh, again of note yeah. in Canada is that um the the uh one of the co founders of of Blackberry. Right. This is a, a handheld phone that's been very successful. Um, they want to buy a, a hockey team in in Phoenix and move it to a professional hockey a professional hockey team in Phoenix and move it to Southern Ontario. Uh, and that's big news in Canada, where hockey, of course, is king. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's interesting is that this team was originally a Canadian-based team. It was in Winnipeg, and it moved down to Phoenix about, I don't know, 15 years ago. I don't know how long it's been. And it's never done very well in Phoenix, which, not surprisingly, is right. not uh, much of a hockey uh, hotbed. Uh, and they've been losing lots of money, and uh, apparently they've, they're have they going into bankruptcy. And so this guy has offered to step in and buy it and move it. And uh, I guess it's a big story, too, because the, the NHL ownership... The NHL is the National Hockey League. Right. right. And, and for a long time has been trying to push this idea of, of uh, hockey teams in the southern United States or in the Sun Belt to try and spread the game to increase the audience. And uh, a lot of people in Canada feel that uh, the league has sort of uh, takes for granted uh, its fan base in Canada mm-hmm. and is quite and is far too focused on, on markets where people just aren't interested. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's an interesting point because to the Cana- to Canadians, they almost feel like they have a right uh, because hockey is so popular in Canada, and so many players come from Canada. And for the longest period, Canada was the you know main hockey nation. I mean, hockey has spread; it's spread a lot mm-hmm. in Europe. Right. We see a lot of teams now, very competitive teams from places like Latvia, obviously mm-hmm. Finland, and and uh, with Finland, which twenty thirty years ago wasn't that competitive, now is very b- strong. They beat Canada recently in the World Cup mm-hmm. match, although that's not over yet. And uh, Hungary, I see, was there. Switzerland is now strong, Germany, mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, so it's been successful in Europe. They've tried to spread it into the southern part of the United States. Part of the problem is that out of how, how many teams are there in the league? 30, maybe. 30 teams. There's only four, or whatever, six Canadian teams. Six. Six. And uh, so that the majority of the owners are Americans, and they would rather see Columbus, Ohio, or you know Chicago, or Philadelphia come to town than a team from Kitchener-Waterloo, right? which nobody would be able to find on a map. Uh-huh. So in terms of their product, you right. know, from a strictly business point of view, mm-hmm. they don't want a bunch of Canadian teams because mm-hmm. that's going to make it more difficult to sell the product right. in their area. And Fine, I guess, yet they haven't been successful. Those teams are dying in, in those places like Phoenix and Nashville. How's it doing in Nashville? Not very well. Not they very almost well. folded a couple of years ago. This guy, same guy, tried to buy them yeah. the Nashville team, and they, right. he wasn't allowed. Right. They but it is a business. So to that extent, I don't think sir, it's not a matter of national interest. It's a matter of business. Well, absolutely not. But the thing is that, uh, like Phoenix, they say they've lost something like uh, $200 million over the last 10 years or something. Wow. Like, I mean, they lose $20 million a year because right. their rink's empty and there's no television money for hockey in the U.S. But is there opposition now to moving the team to Canada? Well, from uh, the, the commissioner of the... Uh, 
of right. the, which means of he, the league. Presumably he represents a majority presumably of the owners. Presumably he represents the owners. I think uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Toronto Maple Leafs are uh, resistant as well. Right. Now, because uh, they've up until now had that whole southern Ontario market to themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I, I guess it would affect their revenue slightly, maybe. But I mean, they're... If if not the the richest franchise, one of the top uh, right. two. But the, I mean, they their rink's full. Sure. Uh, they, but if they can get away with it and protect the market, right? So the league, as a league, has to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canadians get all upset and nationalistic over it. I just think it's a business decision, mm-hmm. and the, the owners, uh, the majority of their owners, have to decide what they think is in their interest. That's right, all. right. But but you know, it reminds me of this other issue that I mentioned once on my blog, which was the issue over how much time do we have? Well. I think that's probably enough. All right. So I won't get into that subject no. then. We'll save that for next time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.